letting go of the way I think it should work and just letting it work the way it works. Welcome to Darken the Page, a podcast for lovers of writing and the creative process. And now, here's your host, Dave Buda. Welcome to Darken the Page. Today's guest is Lori Richards. I just got off the phone with Lori recording this interview. I got to tell you, Lori is just one of the sweetest people I have ever met. She, she has such a wonderful way of allowing the writing. It's, it's something we've talked about in this show, but we really spend a lot of time talking about what it means to listen to what wants to be written versus try and force uh, ideas on a page. And I got to tell you, I'm just in this wonderful space right now after that interview of, of just peacefulness and gratitude for this whole thing called creativity and the writing process. Lori's going to talk about her her new book, uh, Letting the Upside In, how she wrote it, uh, working with Steve Chandler as a coach during that process and what she learned. And she shares some really beautiful stories and, and about her writing process. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Check out darkenthepage.com slash 013 for the show notes and links to Lori's work. Here's the interview. So I'm here today with Lori Richards. Lori is a wonderful uh, coaching friend of mine, um, and she has just written a book um, called Letting the Upside In. And I'm, I just got to say, Lori, that in our time together, I've just so enjoyed our conversations. Um, I'm really excited about, about talking to you about this book and hearing about your whole process. And I, I really, I love your enthusiasm for this book. I love your enthusiasm for writing and it just feels like a really beautiful celebration. So thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I feel like it's a pleasure and a privilege to be on this call with you. Hmm. It's, it's really a pleasure for me. So thank you. Um, so tell me, this, is this your first book? Tell us a little about just your history as a writer. Well, it's actually my second book, but I didn't publish my first book. I wrote my first book back in 2011 during a master's program that I was part of at the University of Santa Monica, mm -hmm. and it's called Called Out From Within, and it was about my expat experience. I had been living in France, in Paris, actually, for seven years when 9-11 happened, Mm -hmm. And I experienced such a transformation in consciousness in terms of the um, level of loving we were able to share with each other on September 12th mm -hmm. that I wanted to write about that. And so my first book is about that. It's also about um, the, the dissolution of my marriage, which was very interesting sort of side story that ran alongside my story about, uh, you know, living as an expat. Mm -hmm. And I never published it, and I don't, sometimes people encourage me to, but I don't really feel like it wants to be published. I feel like I wrote that book for me mm -hmm. to really explore what kind of writer I am and what I would really, um, what really excited me as a writer in terms of styles of writing and ways of writing and what I loved to write about. And so then last year, 2014, was when I actually wrote and published my first book that you mentioned, mm -hmm. Letting the Upside In. And so, and so what was the what was birthing the moment for that book? that book? Was that something uh, that you I, just decided 
randomly? Were you in the shower, brushing your teeth? What happened? <laughs> it's such a great question because I actually love to hear other authors answer this question. And this birth was, I mean, this, this book was really born for me on an airplane. Um, I was on my way from California to Florida for my mom's 70th birthday party. And, um, you know, I was just sitting on this airplane and all of a sudden I just felt this download. I mean, I, I don't know what to call it other than that. But the, the, and I love to collect quotes. I've been a big collector of quotes for many, many years. And I just could not get this quote out of my mind. It's a Thoreau quote. And he said, in order to make a path on the earth, we walk again and again. In order to make a pathway in the mind, we have to think over and over again the kinds of thoughts we wish to dominate our lives. Mm -hmm. And there was something about that quote that just like, it just pulled me right in to the center of it. And so my main inquiry as I was writing this book is what does that mean and how do we do that? In a, cons in a conscious and consistent way. And so this book is um, an exploration of that and how I myself have done that in the past, in the present, and now in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it just was such a fascinating thread to carry that quote and that intention through the whole book with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So w why did that quote resonate with you so much? Well, it's interesting because I've been trained uh, as a spiritual psychologist at the University of Santa Monica, and mm -hmm. as a spiritual psychologist, it just, that whole two-year experience uh, in the master's degree program radically shifted my identification of who I am. Mm -hmm. And so I was curious about how our thoughts... Um, can either support or not support the identification of, of ourselves as divine beings having a human experience. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of tracking, you know, throughout my day, throughout my life, where my thoughts were going, what was the most useful thought, what was the most useful version of an old story uh, that I was telling myself, what was the most gorgeous version? And mm -hmm. I just kind of tracked how I felt when I was telling myself different versions of different stories, because every story has 15 different versions we could tell of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was really a way of conditioning my own thinking to align with my heart, because I felt like I had this extraordinarily gorgeous heart-opening experience while at the University of Santa Monica, and I really wanted my thoughts to align with, mm -hmm. with the consciousness of loving that, um, that came through me mm -hmm. as a result of that program. Mm -hmm. And and this book really helped me do that. And it's funny because I wrote um, in the book, and, and I remember the day that I wrote it because I thought there's probably no truer statement in this book than this one. Um, what I wrote was, I write what I most need to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
Yeah, there is, and so when I got that, I was like, there was a some, there was like a freedom in that. Like, what do I most want to remember? Hmm. Um, you know, where I wanted to have a book that you could start anywhere, that it wasn't in any kind of consecutive order, that you could just open and read and be inspired and remember. And I wanted that for myself and for everybody else. It was really a way of anchoring um, in the spiritual consciousness, in the consciousness of. Um, we are souls having a human experience. And as souls, we're love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you sat down after you decided, okay, this is the book I want to write, um, was it super easy? Did you get any help? Um, what was that like for you? Tell me a little about your journey of, of actually getting this book from the formless to the form. Well, you know, I think if I'm perfectly honest, it was super easy because I let it be. Nice. I let it be super easy. Like, I hear people talk about writer's block all the time, but it's not something I ever experienced just because I don't ever call it that. Mm -hmm. I had a wonderful, wonderful writing coach back in 2011 uh, named Stella Sue Lee. She's a poet, actually, a Pulitzer-nominated poet, and She's in her 70s, and she just has this loveliness about her mm-hmm. that deeply inspired me. And I remember when I was interviewing her to be my coach, she said to me, I could write about my couch and make it interesting. Mm-hmm. And there was something about that that just kind of lit me up because I got it. Like, oh, yeah. Anything can be interesting depending on the consciousness we bring to it. Mm-hmm. And she taught me a method of writing that literally keeps me from ever experiencing block. And it's very simple. It's called journal entry transformation line. Mm-hmm. And so when I write, I write, I just start right where I am. You know, I might tell about the weather, I might tell you where I'm sitting, I might tell you just what I'm thinking about or what's happening around me, but I just start right where I am, and then inevitably, there's always a transformation line. And for me, it's a very spirit-guided process, mm-hmm. uh, because the transformation line, it's, it's the line in the text that, you, that has the most energy. And it guides you to where you're really going that day, to what really wants to be written about. And so I kind of hold it that way, too. It's not that I'm writing about something. It's that something wants to be written about through me. Okay. So if I want to bring this to uh, something maybe I can understand here. So let's say I'm, I'm sitting down to write, and then I'm looking out the window, and I see a tree. Um, and I want, and I write until I until I find that transformational line, which kind of feels like something that's maybe for me kind of maybe maybe magical about like I write something that's like, Ooh, that's really cool. And then that kind of drops me into the the zone of writing something amazing. And then I go on and do maybe the book I'm working on. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's exactly it. And that's exactly it. And interestingly, I mean, I love the collective unconscious because you've just tapped into it. Um, In chapter 23 of my book, I literally describe a tree that's sitting outside my window. Mm -hmm. I I just had had to be that, of course. (laughs) 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 And interestingly, it's one of my favorite chapters because I had no idea 
where it was taking me. I had no idea where I was going when I just started writing. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 um, the title of the chapter is, I don't know what will happen. Uh-huh. And literally it starts, an aspen tree sits outside my window, its willowy winter branches bare and so beautiful. The ski runs lay just beyond the aspen. Like white rivers, frozen solid, they cascade with stillness down the mountain. Mm. Well, the transformation line isn't in that first paragraph, it's later on, when I actually say, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what will happen. I know that I'm happy, peacefully positioned like a fat cat, relaxed and drinking in the light of the sun's rays, receiving a fresh flow of energy and inspiration. And so just that line, I don't know what will happen, I remembered as I was writing a poem that I had written in a poetry class about that very same thing that I had actually entitled, I don't know what will happen. Mm -hmm. And it was an experience I had with my dad right as I was choosing into divorce and out of my marriage. Mm -hmm. And my dad had always been my go-to guy. And I went to my dad and I said, Dad, you know, if I choose out of this marriage, what will happen? And my dad said the scariest possible words I could have ever heard come out of his mouth, which were, I don't know what will happen. Uh And then, you know, that was a decade ago now. And then the gorgeousness of what happened surprised me. And so this chapter really allowed me to write about... um, you know, it, it's the it's. I'm actually right about this in the chapter as well about the uh, Joseph Campbell quote: "We have to be willing to let go of the life that we have in order to have the life that's waiting for us." Mm-hmm. And so I talk about this writer's life that was waiting for me. Mm-hmm. That it, it. I feel more alive in this life than I have ever felt in any of the previous lives I have lived. Mm. Hmm. So yes, that it's like that transformation line. It's what informs me about what wants to be written about that day, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of loose, you know. There's like this very organic kind of um, oh, unfolding that's happening because sometimes things will want to be included that don't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this have to do with that? But if I just let it unfold something magic happens and there is this relationship between events in my life that I just didn't see before. Mm-hmm. And it literally feels like the most exciting roller coaster ride. It's not scary. You know, I get on because I love getting on, but it takes me where I wouldn't even know where to go myself. I wouldn't even know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a, it's just a really, um, when I was listening to you and Jason, you know, Jason talked about rhythm Mm -hmm. that's, that resonates with me. You know, there's a rhythm to it, but there's no rigidity to it. There's something very free flowing and very natural about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's taking me, I'm not taking it. Yeah. I, I really appreciate how grounded in, in that, um, that principle you you are you know that it's it's not your job to come up with stuff because yeah. I think that think that's a really uh, I mean there's a wonderful wonderful TED talk by Elizabeth Gilbert 
that she did a while back. I don't know if you've seen it, but you I would have. love it. I, I had a feeling that you've seen it where she talks about, you know, what it's like to write a mega bestseller and then have to sit down to write your second book and right. how and how <laughs> some of the uh, cultures like the Greek and Romans and and how they related to this thing called genius was more of an um, outside-in experience than an inside-out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how we don't really know what's true, but let's look at maybe what's useful. And that if we, if, if we didn't have it that we came up with it and that we were responsible for it, it might have us sleep better at night, after, especially after we put out something amazing. And, and I found that really useful, especially, I mean, and, and honestly, I'm kind of more of an inside out kind of guy. So, so just adopting that in terms of creativity, um, I thought, you know, I don't, again, I'm not really even concerned what's true, but I do find for myself that when I, when I, when I listen for ideas versus scout them out, um, it's, it's more magical and it's beautiful. And, and who knows where those things are actually coming from. Maybe they're coming from a deeper part of my brain or, or wherever, but it's, it's really beautiful. And I love how grounded you are on that because I found that some of my best writing has come from that surprise has come from the magic has come from the, um, Oh, this is strange and ambiguous, but let me write this and see where this goes. I so hear you, and I think I wholeheartedly agree, actually. I remember Steve Chandler saying to me, um, no surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. Mm -hmm. No tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. Mm -hmm. No laughter in the writer, no laughter in the reader. Mm -hmm. So it's really like letting ourselves be surprised and delighted as we're writing, Mm -hmm. because that's the energy that then gets um, passed on Mm -hmm. uh, to the reader. And yeah. it is. I mean, magical is such an accurate description. It feels like magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have that experience a lot with songwriting, too. Um, I look at some of the songs that, that I've written, and I just, I'm like, I have no idea how I came up with that. I mean, it really is not, it's, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that I could have thought about that myself. Um, and it's really, it's really cool. Um well, and I've heard you sing, and I've heard you play the guitar, and what I can tell you is my experience of you singing and playing the guitar is magic. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just draw us all in, you you touch a part of us that, that longs to be touched, mm-hmm. you know, and open us up in this way that, you know, that's both lovely and goofy and silly and serious, and, you know, it's just the whole package. It's all of us. It's, it's letting us be all of ourselves. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's been an evolution. I mean, I just started playing the pickup chicks and, you know, it's, it's, it's made a few, you know, rounds since then, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's good reason to start playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's, just, it's the reason I keep playing, I think. Um, so, so you said you worked with Steve Chandler a little bit and we had him on episode one of this podcast. And actually, um, that quote that you said is, I, I, I pulled that from something he said and I put that in the intro. So as soon as you click the episode one, you hear him actually saying that exact thing. Cause, and oh, it's just so, it's just so beautiful. I mean, it's like really <laughs> is just such an amazing um, little line. So what was that like to, to have? Did you work with him while you were writing the book or what did you learn? 
Yes, I actually apprenticed with him while I was writing the book. And, you know, I'm a coach and a writer. He's a coach and a writer. So he, I just felt like was a gift from the universe to me. Yeah. Because I had this very strong intention to write this book and grow my coaching practice. And that I found Steve and I was able to do both. It just it was just an extraordinary experience. And, you know, he asked me at the beginning of the year, you know, what would make this year wildly successful? And this was 2014. And I said, you know, for me, it's if I say, if I do what I say I'm going to do and write this book. And so it was just setting that very clear intention. It was like the methods presented themselves. Like this book in many ways like I loved the process. There was no part or particle of writing this book that I didn't love. You know, from the conception of it on the airplane in October of 2013 to the writing of it, um, you know, in the first six months of, of last year to the developing of the book, you know, working with the graphic designer because I had a very strong intention mm-hmm. that this book would be a gift to those who read it, that they that it would reflect back to them their own beauty, both visually, you know, just by the cover and the way the pages were organized, as well as what was written inside of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I just and and it was it was again like Joseph Campbell says. He says, you know, if you walk through the doors that are presented in front of you, magical guides appear. And Dave, every step of the way. I would try to jump ahead with Steve sometimes. And, you know, it was April and I was still in the writing of the book. And I would say, okay, Steve, well, how are we going to get this published? And the brilliance of Steve is that he kept pointing me back to the book. Mm -hmm. He said, we don't have anything to publish yet. Keep writing. Keep writing. And, you know, it's like we get so far, I would get so far out ahead of myself that his coaching, um, his wisdom just kept returning me to the task at hand. And it's like slowing it all down allowed the universe to work with me in a way that if I tried to speed it all up, I don't know that the universe could have worked as organically with me as it did. Mm-hmm. And so when I needed um, a graphic designer, I got a phone call one day from a woman who I'd met in an art class who said, I'd like to design the cover of your book. Uh-huh. And she did. And then she had a baby, and so we took her work that she so gorgeously put together, and we and then someone else showed up, another graphic designer, and she actually did the design. She completed the cover design and then did the internal design of the book. But it's like I, I loved being part of every process. I loved Mm -hmm. the editing, I loved the design process, I loved the writing process. Um, It it was just a real joy to be be in it. It's like, I can't wait to write another one for Mm -hmm. that reason. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so tell me a little more about what it's like to to have someone by your side during the writing process because I think that's a fantastic way to go about writing. In fact, um, for the book I'm writing now, and I'm about halfway through it, I was... I was feeling some, you know, oh, geez, I'd, I'd want to, I was feeling some frustration with certain parts. And um, and uh, our friend Amir, who I had on, on this show too in episode three, um, we've just been great friends since, since Steve's coaching school. And when I was living in San Diego, we would meet every week for breakfast. And, and I called him up about a month ago and I said, hey, Amir, um, I would love for you to guide me the rest of the way home on this book. Um, let's, you know, let's talk about it and figure out something. And so, you know, 
and and so we did and and that actually i mean i mean it's you know even though we're just getting started with that it, it, there's a there's a certain amount of relief that i have knowing that i can outsource any of my frustrations to, to someone and talk about it and and that you know amir is just great at it kind of again bringing me back to what's important which is writing great stuff and not worrying about the things that I need to worry about or not trying to have it sound like a whatever. And um, so I found that really useful. So, so maybe you could speak to what it's like to have someone by your side during the writing process and, and, and how helpful that was for you. Yeah, well, I really agree. And it's so interesting because I have this kind of fierce independence and so Steve was like the perfect person to have by my side because he didn't hover over me. He he wasn't an accountability coach for me. Like I didn't need somebody to, um, you know, make sure I wrote. Right. Like it's like my intention kind of took care of that. But what I what Steve was really like invaluable. I mean, they, I just got so much value from just the just his presence frankly you know um just having him in this with me mm-hmm. and and having him share like i'll give you an example um little things with me that don't sound like big things but when i was in the middle of writing this book they were big things for me like he said to me i was it was june and i was just at, i was just completing the book and just offhandedly one day he said to me you know, when I'm completing a book, I go to a hotel and I sequester myself and I finish the book. I, I, it's like I treat me. It was, he was so sweet about it. You know, he was the single father of four young children. And so um, I'm a single mom of three daughters. And so mm-hmm. I had this resonance with him. And I remember him saying to me, you know, it's like I took this book and just held it in this hotel room where it was just me and this book like holding a newborn baby, a baby Mm -hmm. just about to be born. And there was such sweetness in that for me. And I remember having the experience of like, you can do that. You (laughs) can go to, you can like step out of your life and just really dedicate three, four, five days of being with this book, of really giving this book everything it needs without without distraction and so that's exactly what I did I mean it just it was just such a um like a permission in a way like what worked Mm -hmm. for him really worked for me too so tell us a little more about that so that looks like you got a hotel room for a few days um went with and were you finished was it you're almost finished writing it or you had officially finished writing it and you wanted to kind of be with it and read it and edit it what was what's like the details of that because that's a beautiful process well yeah and it's a really good question because as i reflect back on it it was actually july or maybe it was august when i actually went and did this and i took a whole bunch of materials with me to do a visioning board because i really find that my heart knows better than my mind what's next Mm -hmm. and when i create a visioning board it just tells me what's next and so I just kind of very, um, oh, just very loosely, you know, I lit a candle in the hotel room. I went out to the desert. Um, I stayed in a very comfortable hotel where I could order room service and I didn't have to go out if I didn't want to go out. Mm-hmm. And and I was just with the book. And, and I on this visioning board, which I've got right here, actually, 
there was one question and I was I was at the editing point of the book. I was going through each of the chapters and as I created this visioning board, the question that showed up on the visioning board literally was just two words and it's what's essential. What's essential? And mm-hmm. so I went through each of the chapters with that question. What's essential here in this chapter? Is there anything that doesn't feel essential that can come out? Like, mm-hmm. and it was such a beautiful practice. And on this visioning board, there was um, like an owl and and like animals, and I felt like they were keeping me company in this strange, unexpected way. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like, almost like um, animal guides, like like showing me the way through these five days, making them highly productive and highly private, if you will. You know, it was a very private process. And I was very mm-hmm. grateful to be on my own out there. Yeah. Um and and so I mean I, I it's funny because I could see I could see uh, repeating that process at the beginning of a book or in the middle of a book or at the end of a book. It's just wherever it feels essential mm-hmm. um i just happened to do it at the end and i loved it yeah. i love yeah you know it's funny when you when you said that at first that you take the book to a hotel room when it's uh near the end or at the end or when steve said that i thought of i forget who it was i think it was maybe i don't think it was stephen king but it was somebody uh, some writer was saying that when they get, I think, or maybe it was Stephen Pressfield. I'm not sure, but it was that a writer had said something to the effect of, "When they get near the end of a book, uh, they go into kind of this like strict isolation mode for the last couple of days, just just to put the last push on because they know that." maybe the last 10% for them is really hard. Um, and so they, well, that's one of the things they do is, is go into like a hotel room and just finish it. And it's kind of like a, it's a little more masculine way of I think, finishing a book, but it, you know, that's what I thought you were going to say originally. And, and I think I had heard another writer talk about that, but, uh, but I like your, I like, I like both. I really, I really like the sweetness of, of just sitting with, with the book and, and giving yourself that space and time. Yeah, it was really beautiful um, and, and very nurturing. It was, you know, it wasn't so um, masculine, as you say, you know, yeah. where there wasn't a push to finish it. It was more, it was more of really asking the book, what do you need from me? How can I serve you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dave, one of the things I love about writing a book, this happened to me at Christmas. I was in St. Martin with my family. And there's something about when I deeply relax my next book just started to organize itself and it was the middle of the night and it woke me up just like a newborn baby would and I was thrilled to see it just like I was always thrilled Mm -hmm. to wake up in the middle of the night with my newborn babies there's there's just such a preciousness that meets me there in the middle of the night wait a minute minute, Lori so you're saying that whenever your newborn babies woke up in the middle of the night you were thrilled you know, I only had three, so I didn't have six or eight or ten babies. So for the most, and I had them, you know, they're three years apart and then five years apart. Uh-huh. So for the most part, I mean, there was probably the occasional exception, if I'm honest. But for the most part, I was always so happy to, to see them, whether it was the middle of the night or during the day. Oh, cool. I've never had kids, so I just have heard stories. That's Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, and, you know, 
it, it feels very similar. And it's, you know, sometimes there'll be even a word that keeps me up until I go and I put the word in the chapter. I had that experience, um, I don't remember off the top of my head which chapter it was, but I was trying to go to sleep one night and there was just this energy circulating around me. And I finally said, what, what is it? <laughs> and and just this one word, and uh, gosh, as soon as, I, as soon as I included that word, the energy dissipated and I fell fast asleep. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny what, uh, episode I think is 11 I talked to a guy named Steve Windsor and we you know we talked about essentially putting the book ahead of your physical needs whether it was eating or sleeping or going to the bathroom even you know when something wants to happen it's just going to happen and and I love this idea of letting the book run your life you know which it sounds like you do to a certain extent as well Oh, I love it too. I love it because it's such a gorgeous process, you know, and there's so much gorgeousness that wants to come, I think, from the universe into form. And that I get to serve that gorgeousness, like I just want to bow in humble reverence, mm -hmm. you know, and say mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you for letting me do this. Thank you for choosing me to do this. Mm -hmm. And you can wake me up whenever you want, you know, very much yeah. like, you know, bringing a new soul onto the earth, you know, just the sacredness of that process and that practice. It, it's a, you know, as a mother, it feels very, very similar to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful that I have so many different mediums now to write. You know, I, I've been doing this book on Evernote. And so I have uh, Evernote on my phone and on my computer and you know, there's plenty of times when I'm just writing an entire chapter on my phone and it's kind of this odd experience where I'm like, oh, okay, you, you want to write right now on my phone? Um, it, you know, it, it, but I'm at dinner with my family, but okay, I'll, let, me, let me say I'm going to go to the bathroom for, <laughs> I'll be there for like 10, 15 minutes and I'll write this down and then, then we can come back. And, and it, it is really strange, but you know, and, and it comes at the oddest times, you know, especially before Isn't I go to sleep, great? because I think, you know, go, before we go to sleep, it's, it's, we're essentially just meditating. That's my opinion. I mean, that's the closest thing to meditation that everybody, everybody universally does, which is just sit, lay in a bed and not try to do anything. And so, of course, that's like open invitation for all sorts of ideas and all sorts of creative things to come in. And I know my, I know Paula, my wife is, you know, kind of sick of me reaching over and grabbing my phone every 10 minutes when we try to go to sleep. <laughs> but, you know, to a certain extent, I can't really help it. I mean, it's for the most part, I'm just writing down interesting ideas or chapters that I want to write or, or whatever. And and um, yeah, it's really fascinating. Well, I it's so funny that you should say this because I've had the experience four or five times where I'm actually going into a movie and mm -hmm. all of a sudden boom, there's the energy. Something wants to be written. And so I, I go up to the back row so I don't bother anybody with the light of my phone. Nice. And you know, while the previews are going on, and you know, I was thinking about this. I went and saw American Sniper earlier this week and it happened. You know, yeah. I was sitting there, it's the middle of the day and so there weren't very, very many people in the theater, thank goodness. But I went up to the back row and I just started like, like writing into my phone. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what is it? about coming in to this movie theater, inspiring for me. But you know what I think is, Dave? Mm -hmm. I think there is so there is such a collective 
intelligence of creativity that goes into making a movie yeah. that I'm literally tapping into that energy. Mm -hmm. Surprising that the, the creativity was an American sniper, but you know, I'm <laughs> <laughs> that's still creative. I know, I know. Well, it's just, I think just, and maybe it's, it has to do more with the intention of the people because yeah. it doesn't happen every time I walk into a movie. Yeah. Um, but you know the intention of the movie. I mean, I don't really know. I'd have to. I'd have to study it. I have to be in conversation with it probably a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's just it's just curious to me that that is, in more than more than three times, four or five times, that's when inspiration hits, and it's like what wants to be written wants to be written right mm -hmm. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's 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 beautiful. Um, so this is an interesting question and, and I, and I, so what I'm really curious about is what, if you had to describe that indescribable thing, which is, let's call it, some people say what it's like to be in the zone, you know, um, Mozart called it being with God and Michelangelo called it intelletto, you know, what, what is, what does that actually feel like for you? Hmm. Um, it shows up differently for me. Sometimes it feels like energy circling around me. Sometimes it feels like energy lining up in front of me. Um, and it, it feels like letting what's out there in. Um, and then really surrendering. It feels like surrender to me. It feels like not my will, but thine be done. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it feels like just a um, a surrendering of my own. But but the interesting thing is, it's not a surrendering of myself because what I'm writing is coming through me as me. Right? I think mm -hmm. Liz Gilbert said that too. You know, she something to the effect that. You know, it's it's me that's being used here, my experience, my life, my mm -hmm. way of interpreting it. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the word surrender is what comes up for me. Like letting go of the way I think it should work and just letting it work the way it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What what has been uh, some strange ways that it works for you? Like what 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 has been uh, you know? Tell me about something maybe that was surprising about the way it wants to work that you may not have expected. Okay, such a great question, um, and I write about this in another chapter of my book. I'm I was in Park City not this past Christmas but the one before mm -hmm. and I had four days to myself. My children were with their dad and I thought I can go anywhere I want and I can do anything I want. Where do I want to go and what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And I just had this strong pull to go to Park City, Utah. And so I got a hotel room. When I showed up in Utah, there was not a rental car anywhere to be found because everybody was there skiing. Mm -hmm. So I took like the commuter van into Park City. And so I had no way out, if you will. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's like I couldn't jump in my car. I love Utah, and I know Utah, and so I've got all these places I like to go and see and people I like to be with, and I couldn't do any of that. Like, mm-hmm. I was at the mercy of whatever had called me there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting in my hotel room, and my intention in being there, I'm very clear about, is I want to go to Park City, and I want to write. Nice. My primary nice. purpose for being there is to write. But I don't know what I want to write about. I don't have any idea what I want to write about. Yeah. I just know that I want to be there. And and I have sort of an, a visual of what I'm looking at as I'm writing. And it, it turned out to really kind of match exactly what happened. But I'm sitting there and I've written for the day. I think I'm done. You know, I've written three pages. I know how many words that is. I know that that's a chapter. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking out the window of this hotel room, and there's this um, oh, blue spruce. I think it was like a uh, an a tr- an ever like an, a form of an evergreen tree. And mm-hmm. it's but it's kind of sparse. And going up the center of this evergreen tree is a black and white magpie, a bird. Mm-hmm. And I just sit there for a minute and I watch this magpie spiraling up the center of this tree. And all of a sudden, something completely different wants to be written about than what I've just written about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's like the upward flow of consciousness, you know, that's happening all around the world right now and happening even in me as I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the black and whiteness of this magpie, what wanted to be written about, too, from a very personal, very vulnerable place was my black, my own black and white thinking that mm-hmm. I used to think was the only way of interacting with the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, setting that aside and letting all the colors in instead, mm-hmm. letting things be what they are. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, for me, it's like, I know when I've been called. I, it's like I don't know how to explain it other than I just know that the spirit, the universe, God, I don't know what to call it. You can call it whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. has called me somewhere. And even if I don't know the reason, if I show up with my pen and my paper, mm-hmm. something gorgeous is going to happen, even mm-hmm. if it scares me. Even if it's something I don't think I want to write about, I write anyway. And and it's like where the pen and my hand and my heart are guided in that moment always surprises me. Mm-hmm. I think it's part of the reason I continue to write because there's always a surprise in me. Yeah. I don't I don't begin with the end in mind, you know, but I don't even know what the end might be. Um, I just begin, and I let the end be whatever it's going to be. And it circles back around on itself, which is what I love, too. It's like I feel like a completion happens as I surrender to the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is interesting, and that end is always surprising to me, too, you know? So it's like, oh, that's where this was going? That's really interesting, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, one one of the things that happened recently that I love is I I got to circle back around to an idea that I had left behind a few months ago, something that I really wanted to write about, and I was like, oh, that's where this was gonna go. It's great. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
it's so interesting, isn't it? And and a lot of times quotes will do that for me. I'll write something and I'm not really sure what it means. Like, I'm not really sure what this is. And then I'll read something and I'll be like, oh, that's what this is. Oh, it puts it into, I'll read something someone else has written, and it puts what I've written into a certain kind of context for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. So, I've got a few more questions here for you. Um, Great. Do you have any quirky habits that people might not expect let's say i was following you around with the video camera for a few days and watching <laughs> you write or just hanging out with you um you know not just creepily stalking stalking you um what would i notice anything that might that might surprise people oh i'll tell you my secrets um tell me your secrets i usually write in my pajamas in my bed with books that i love all uh, around me oh i love that <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just such a safe place for me. And, um, you know, I always have next to me, especially when I'm in the mode of writing, I, I, I always am surrounded literally on all sides of me with what other people has, have written that has inspired me, that's changed me, that's encouraged me, that's supported me, that strengthened me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel such a sense of almost like camaraderie. Nice. It's a way of supporting myself in the writing process because it is an alone process for the most part. Mm-hmm. But it's like I call all those energies in and there's just this, oh, really, it feels like a miraculous form of support for me. Yeah, it's like having other authors in the room with you kind of cheering you on. It really is. It really is. That's really wonderful. I love that. Mm-hmm. So that's what you would see. Me in my nightgown, sitting in my bed with books all around me. <laughs> so if it was in the middle of the day and you wanted to write, would you change into your pajamas and get in the bed? <laughs> no, I wouldn't change into my pajamas. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Um I write about this in my book, too, because Julia Cameron is one of my heroes. And, mm-hmm. you know, her books are, she's the one that did The Artist's Way and The Right to Write. And mm-hmm. her books are among those that surround me. And um, she describes in one of her books where she writes in her New York City apartment that, you know, at this black lacquered Chinese desk that overlooks the Hudson River. And, oh, the image of it is just so beautiful that it just pulls me right in. Mm -hmm. And I have in my living room overlooking the Pacific Ocean a black lacquered Chinese desk that I think I should write at. But I think. I think one of the chapters of my book was actually written at that desk. Nice. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. And so it's just like the freedom to write anywhere is um, is part of the process too. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny that you say that. I, 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 I have that exact experience myself is that um, the only places that I, I don't feel I write well at are the places that I think I should write well at. <laughs> <laughs> or even on my computer, you know, like, for example, I have written a lot in Microsoft Word. And for whatever reason, now when I bring up Microsoft Word, my brain says, oh, now you're writing. And then it's, I don't have, then nothing comes out. But as soon as I bring up like Evernote, where I don't quote unquote write in, and of course that's shifting now. And as it shifts, of course, I lose that creativity. 
um, you know, I, that was easy for a while. And then now, for whatever reason, my latest thing is is the the WordPress um, like new post thing. Um, because my brain hasn't figured out that I'm writing yet when I, when I, when I do that, it just seems like a blog post or something, um, which it is a lot of times. And it is the strangest thing. You know, as soon as I, as soon as I have an expectation that this is going to be a great place to write, uh, you know, if I have a beautiful setting and I go there with my laptop and okay, here we go. And it's like, nope, that's not how it works. (laughs) I really hear you. I mean, I really hear you. It, and it's interesting too. I remember, um, I went, I went back to the Marriott when I started another book and they put me in a room that did not have a full view. It was, there was a wall that I saw when I looked out of the room Mm -hmm. and I had to have them move me because I, it's like, I liked, I don't like to write. Even a computer could be like a wall for me. It it seems Mm -hmm. like a wall. Like there's something about being able to look up and out at something other than what I'm writing that feels like tricking my body as well. Like I'm not really writing. Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting and I'm just looking and I'm just observing and I'm just recording what I see. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, this is you're we're really getting at the essence of what I love about these conversations and why I started this, this podcast, because it is, this is so silly. Like we are like adults, right? I mean, (laughs) we've been around here for a while. We, we do highly functional things and yet, this creative process is so childish in so yes. many ways that it just cracks me up. You know, the other thing that I noticed myself and is like engaging in bad habits sometimes is, 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 is good from a writing process. Let's say I just let myself eat whatever I want or, you know, and it's just this, it's like feeding my inner child or feeding the, my childish desires you know, or, or, or letting myself be extra picky with, you know, like what you were saying about, oh, well, I can't look at a computer screen. I can't look at half of a wall. Like that stuff is ridiculous. And yet engaging with it seems to work. And I, and I don't feel bad about it at all because it just it just seems to be the thing that actually gets me where I want to go. And it's worth it if I eat some junk food or, you know, be a little extra picky with the hotel staff or anything, you know. Well, I am so with you. And, you know, it's funny because a possible explanation for that, you know, the lower three chakras that we have in our systems, in our bodies, they cannot be reasoned with. Yeah. And it's like that child inside of us cannot be reasoned with it just wants what it wants when it wants it and and it's like we can come up with all kinds of reasons why we don't need that and that's silly and that's ridiculous but then it's just not the same thing it's just not the same process Mm -hmm. it's like it's like kind of like allowing like um a total abandonment of any kind of routine any kind of restriction any kind of um rigidity it's it's like that's what keeps me going back to that space because I know I meet myself there in a place of freedom mm-hmm. that is uniquely mine, mm-hmm. and nobody can say anything about it mm-hmm. <laughs> because nobody knows about it. It's so personal, and yet as I talk to you, so universal. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is really fascinating in that no two answers are the same, and yet we can we get it. You know, we get it when yeah. other people speak about it because they're they're hitting on something that resonates with us. 
Yeah. I, you know, it's like I oftentimes, uh, in episode 11, I was talking to this guy named Steve Windsor, and it was just so funny. This guy's hilarious. He's a fiction writer. And he was, we were saying in the beginning how this show is kind of like a, like a hug for writers, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like hey, you know, it's almost like a support group for, for, for writers because, and, and I'm, you know, it's funny because this isn't really my style um, where it's like, hey, let's all get together and kind of semi-complain, you know? It's like, but, <laughs> but it's really kind of what it ends up being sometimes where it's like we all can come together and, and be together with 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 some of these things that are are hard or frustrating or weird or unexplainable um and then by that shared experience we all can feel good about it and and there's like a collective healing or something that goes on so it's just the funniest thing in the world yeah i really hear you because it's like taking a deep sigh of relief you know like it does work this way, and it can work this way, and it's it's almost like um, uh, uh, it's so funny that this should be to, to pop into my mind. But I used to play a lot of tennis, and my backhand is as strong as my forehand, because at one point a coach said to me, "Think of your backhand like a left-handed forehand." Mm-hmm. And it just, it's like it gave me permission to just, and it made it easy. You know, it's like, oh, you can do that? And as soon as I switched, you know, the energy running through my left hand into a forehand, I have a double-handed backhand. So, you know, both hands are on the racket. But like like my backhand, people were like, whoa, what happened? And it surprised me. Yeah. But it was just like this very, and I think that's what your show does, uh, David. It's like this very subtle shift that that yields huge results. Uh-huh. Yeah, it certainly yielded results in me, which you know I, I, I've said this before, but it, it, even if I didn't release any of these interviews and I just did them it, for my own benefit, I, it would be amazing. Because I've gotten so much personally just out of, just for my own creativity, my own writing and my own peace of mind. And so that to me is, you know, that's all I need to know right there. Yeah, and it's so true. And I think we all carry that memory of sitting in a classroom and having to write something we didn't really want to write. And so what I think your show does is it clears away that energy. Mm -hmm. That we're writers and this is really fun. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's like Lao Tzu said, the highest way asks nothing hard. And mm. for me, what that means is the way I translate his words is the most loving way asks nothing hard. Mm. If I it's hard, that. change it because it doesn't have to be. What mm. would be easy? What would be fun? Yeah. Yeah. I so get that. And, and it's, and it's again, like a, a very much a departure from what we grew up understanding about about writing through the education system yeah 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 so um so I have one more question for you um yeah and you'd mentioned that this is the this is the second book you've written so let's say you could rewind the clock um i don't know five six years or whenever you started maybe writing whenever you'd say that was it could be 20 30 years ago um and then let's say you could slip yourself a note that would end up just <laughs> on, on your on your notepad or typewriter, keyboard, whatever you're using at the time. 
and that note could just have you know something that through your years of experience you could pass down to your to your former self as you started writing what would that note say oh it's such a beautiful question i think the note would say um relax and let your writing ride on the energy of loving hmm what does it mean for the for the for it to ride in the energy of loving for you? Yeah, it, it really means I think you know what we've been talking about, really letting it come through me instead of from me. Mm-hmm. You know, letting it have a life of its own, uh, being in communication with the book as I'm writing the book, um, or as you know the book is being written through me, um, and and really, really. It's so interesting. My next book, um, when I was in um, St. Martin at Christmas time, I could not get the words of a David White poem out of my head. And I realized, oh, this is my main inquiry for this year. And so what those words, you know, let your writing ride on the energy of loving, this is really what it means to me. David White wrote, to remember the other world in this world is to live in your true inheritance. Mm. So for me as a writer, to let my writing ride on the energy of loving is to live in this world, in that world, and in my true inheritance. Mm. Mm. That's really beautiful, Lori. Thank you for the question because it's clarifying for me to even get to answer it, mm-hmm. um, and and that's that's really what it means. And you know, it's it's interesting. I, I want to share one more thing with you because this was mm-hmm. so unexpected. Right before this book got published in in end of November, beginning of December of last year, I went into a meditation and I had this experience in the meditation of seeing a young man, like a teenage boy, really, with um, a canvas in front of him that he had painted something on. It was just beautiful what he'd painted. And he was young, and and he was invited to be part of a show and uh, to, to show this painting that he had done. Mm-hmm. And he was so afraid of showing his work that right literally minutes before his work was taken you know from the workshop out into the show he took his forearm and he smeared the whole thing mm-hmm. so that nobody else could see it and i was so even even in meditation i was like <gasps> like just stunned that he would do this and then I recognized, oh my gosh, I really get where this kid's coming from. There's a part of me that wants to smear this because it's so vulnerable to put it out there. Mm-hmm. And then I, I took this, this whole experience to my mentor, Mary Holnick, and um, I shared it with her. And she said the most beautiful thing to me. She said, you are not your book. And your book is not you. And so it, it created this space for me to share my work 
that wasn't filled with that anxiousness of what if nobody likes it? Mm-hmm. What if people say mean things about it? You know, what if, what if people love it? You know, I mean, that that's in there too. Mm-hmm. But it just helped me to relax and even let the publication of it ride on the energy of loving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful story, Lori. Well, I want to say um, it's been an absolute pleasure and thanks so much for sharing your experience and for your enthusiasm and and um and for creating a wonderful piece of art well thank you dave and love (laughs) to you and paula in bali and thank you for letting me be part of this it's just like i said at the beginning a privilege and a pleasure to be part of whatever you're part of Mm, i appreciate that well what we're gonna we're gonna do is after we publish this it'll be there'll be some notes and links links to your work and and some of the work we talked about here and that'll be at darkenthepage.com slash zero one three and i will let you know when it gets published laurie and thanks again for being on thanks dave